welcome back to the wall. You already know they got a young Migo in this joint host in this, and I got my peoples with me ready to give you all the news analysis you need in our two-part series of the current crisis in Colombia. Right now, of course, we have Alex, Joseph, and Gabriella ready to give us the analysis. However, let me go ahead and go over this part, and that is for part two. The, the question still remains that if the government of Colombia is not representing the people's interests, then who? That's the part of public policy where you got to think outside the box. And that's foreign, foreign, uh, foreign policy. How people outside the country influence domestic policymakers. So in, to order, to, in order to understand the ramifications of U.S. Uh, foreign policy, it it really explains the current state of Latin America. So shout out to Maddie for telling me the saying that if you want the answers in public policy, follow the money. And that's where foreign economic policy comes to play. So let's start at the outset. And that is that during the Great Depression, the U.S. began to disengage in trade in the region. So in order to compensate that deficit, Latin American countries uh, adopted an economic ISI model, which sort of it's sort of like a do-it-yourself DIU model, where like it discouraged foreign direct investment, trade, and promote local fact- manufactured goods. However, when the U.S. corporations began to expand, they privatized the industries. That's when the U.S. began to have more influence. And if you didn't fall in line with U.S. interests, you know, the government would likely just sponsor a coup. So fast forward to the, to the uh, Cold War, it's the West against the East. So the U.S. needed to have a strong frontier by creating a democratic alliance amongst the Western Hemisphere. In order to promote democratic values, it needs to be done through international trade agreements. To engage in U.S. relations, you need to follow their criteria. But what people didn't understand was that those values had U.S. corporate interests attached to it. So, but, so uh, by the financial crash of the 1980s, Latin America was in very bad shape. So what the U.S. decided to do was come up with a new policy to benefit reinvigorating those economies known as the Washington Consensus. What that means is that for the countries who adopted these policies, they'd have access to free trade and support from the world's top institutions, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the U.S. Treasury. So it's not until you actually look at the policies that totally contradicts, you know, those those democratic values. And those are lowering government borrowing, divert public spending on sectors like education, healthcare, and infrastructure, remove trade barriers such as tariffs and quotas, relax rules on foreign direct investment, the the privatization of industries like railway, oil, and gas, remove regulations and policies that restrict competition and entry to barrier, or I'm sorry, uh, barriers to entry, and then the, the development of property rights. So what that ended up doing was pretty much giving the U.S. corporations more control and having them dictate the market into so it benefited them and through their interests because those economies became much more easier to access and because of that outlier 
it, you know, and we've seen that since the 90s, um, inequality has just increased. And just to note, not every Latin American country has a free trade agreement, but it's through this diplomacy, you see the impact in Latin America as a whole. And again, Colombia just so happens to have a free trade agreement. So understanding, you know, U.S. relations with, with the countries of Latin America, I wanted to ask our analysts, like, what they uh, wanted to get their their um, stance on this. So, uh, Joseph, do you do you mind giving us your analysis? Um, this has just been a, an issue that's been a long time coming, um, if I can say that. I think that, you know, right now what's going on is, you know, and I've said this before, it's kind of the epitome of what's been going on. But just to hear all those facts and see how it works together, there's always a reason for something. There's always, you know, you know, a cause or an effect. So just to see how big of an influence, you know, just how the U.S. had such a big influence on not just um, Colombia, but on a lot of Latin American countries. I, I don't know. I'm just lost for words right now. And maybe Gabby or Alex might have a better <laughs> analysis on this but it's just really interesting to see um like we've been going through this for a while and it's not just in our country it's everywhere is there's inequalities and there's un- injustice everywhere so maybe in america maybe are, we are getting um a little desensitized is that the word for it? desensitized to it yeah um, but it's been going on for a long time gabriella what's your um what's your analysis um that it's fuck the governments of all kinds. I'm joking. Um, no, um, I just think like we're we're seeing an uh, an uprise happening because we've known of injustice for lo- for so long. Like these people aren't just deciding from one day to the other to protest this government. You know, like this has been happening for a really long time, and it's just it's the system is so flawed because the system is people who are corrupt, and so until people stop being corrupt and in those positions like we're not going to see any real change and so when foreign policy happens like that it's like they're not looking for the interests of the people who live in that country they're looking for the ones who profit off of it so it's just really frustrating um everything's just getting a bit overwhelming but i think that's probably what people said in like the 70s and even probably the 1800s they're like oh wow these colonizers are really getting out of hand and um now we're here and we're fully colonized and they've moved on to uh, foreign policy colonization of of u.s intervention into well u.s intervention in, in latin america has been a long time coming and long time doing like they're the reason we are where we're at and not in the positive light like the united states has really done a, a whole job on on finishing colonizing the central america and south america with their foreign policy so all in all it's fuck the government and i do want to reemphasize that of course like with with employment going down because those markets are not reflecting on the people again like that 
that causes loss of jobs. And so when, when jobs go down, you know, violence is more likely to go up. So you realize that over the years, uh, Colombia has been ranked uh, among, I believe, the top 20 most dangerous. And, and that's because, again, like, how do you blame a population than which the government does not give the people the support? So it's like, there's frustration out there too that, you know, what we're seeing right now. And so it's just like, yeah, it's just, um, I really wanted to bring this up because of the whole influence Like people don't think about for like the U S having to do with this. Um, even though they might not directly, uh, you know, did something to, uh, to start to spark the protest. It was through their policy that has created a situation that has, you know, been long overdue. And so, uh, Alex, do you have an analysis on this, uh, current report? Yeah, like it's just, I guess I'm just, it's just interesting to learn about, I guess, the U.S.'s role in like the position that um, that Colombia and other Latin American countries are in. Um, I guess my question is, um, do, is like the U.S. intervening again into um, the no. Colombia to help address or or help with the support it's more of like the u.s i'm sorry i hate to cut you off can you repeat that one more time i said um is are the u.s attempting to intervene to address the problems that they helped create in the first place through like their earlier policies or let's say because that would require require apologizing and as we, Joseph already, yo, we took this course. States do, like, countries do not apologize. Oh. They will, in the, of all countries, the U.S., like, nah, bro. You ain't getting shit. Saying, so I'm, I'm like, it's, well, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, like, are they trying to intervene once again as their way of acknowledging that in the past their actions have been detrimental to this country, or am I misunderstanding what's happening? It's more of like, the U.S.'s policy is more like, you know, it's, it happened in the past. They do this with everything. Just like, just keep moving forward. They act like nothing happened. They want to actually like, it's crazy. It's just like, cause they'll tell you one thing. They'll just give you this whole spiel, but the policies contradict what they're saying. So that's the huge confusion as to what, cause I've been to plenty of events, bro. I've, I've had plenty of people talk about, you know, uh, foreign trade and foreign policy. But the truth is, is that like the policy speaks for itself. And so while the U.S. might say, oh, we're sorry, oh, we did, the, you know, what I'm saying this and that, um, those policies have not changed. And like, again, like, till this day, they have a free trade agreement. While that might have not been the reason why they're protesting, um, it definitely played an influence as to like what's happening right now. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that, guys, like I know, um because no one ever really talks about foreign policy, but it is probably one of the most powerful sectors in decision-making as a whole. Uh, when you look at the constitution, the only people who really have the power to do to conduct in foreign affairs is the president and the Senate. So that's the reason why when you're a congressperson, you know, for all you future, sen- no, for all you future senators out there that are listening to us, um, just know that when it comes to the foreign affairs committee, that is like a prestigious, like really a big deal 
because it's like you're one of the very few people in the country who can actually conduct policy. And so, um, so when we look about, when, even when we look in our in our politics, we sometimes we fail to account uh, when things don't add up. Uh, sometimes we do need to add like the foreign foreign affairs uh, aspect to it because that does explain uh, our position in the world and how we use that. And and um, and yeah. So I definitely want to make note of that. Yeah, the U.S. does the thing where they go like, oh, we help. I don't know what you mean. Like if you if you look in El Salvador during the war, we helped. But it's like, no, you helped the government and the government wasn't for the people. So at the there end of the go. day, didn't help anyone. The thing with foreign policy is they help the government. They don't help the people. They help and a lot- the already bought petitions who are in place to just fill those seats. And as long as they're getting paid, they don't care what the people are going through. And so that's why it's like, in a sense, like we, we do have the power to change because again, like we elect our officials, we elect the president and we elect the, we elect our senators. So as people, we can make those changes. It's all about just mobilizing. And at least just like, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, everyone just get up, you know, get up and mobilize, but it's more of like everyone in a sense, like does their part in like reaching out to their senators, just take like three minutes or write an email because they have to read that. Um, Regardless of your, you know, regardless of where you're at, like they, you know, you're a person living in this country, like you can reach out to your, um, and express your concern on these matters. So that's like really, I don't I, I feel like that's like the optimistic side of it is that we do have the power to change. We do, you know, uh, we do have the power to get Ted Cruz out of uh, office. So, <laughs> or not us, but like the people of Texas. So it's like things like that. Like we can definitely make the world better. We can definitely make sure that our policies reflect democratic values. So, it's it's just a matter of voting and and trust me when i tell you guys that we have the power to change this so it's unfortunate to see that like with the lack of understanding um this is the repercussions of of neglect of of foreign policy that you know that we should be engaging so but Uh, i'm sorry joseph no no, i was gonna say i definitely agree with what everything um you said um for me it's interesting to see just how these policies go into action um and they could have gone into action now or maybe 50 or 100 years ago how even they might have seemed very minor at that time they can have a lasting effect mm-hmm. that can go maybe has it turned off for people i'm sorry gabby like you repeat that oh I'm sorry, y'all. I thought I was mute. So, <laughs> anyways, no, no, no. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but anyways, no. Uh, but yeah, Joseph, it's like those little decision makings that the U.S. did 50 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and look at now. And it's like, it's crazy because I feel so bad because in one sense, like, you know, when you think of it, it from the domestic um, aspect, it's like, it's like, you can't really explain what's going on. And so, but when you realize the history and like the foreign influence that that has happened, it, everything it, it fills up. It makes much more sense. So the reality is is that while the U.S. is more likely to benefit from from the instability in Latin America, to be quite frank, um, you know we see it in the policies. You know why do you want 
you know, lower uh, barriers for, for entry, you know? And so, and the thing is, is that this has not only impacted other countries, but our country as well. Do you remember when, like, um, when there was talk about how there's outsourcing, how, like, um, how uh, there's a huge blame on uh, Latin Americans for taking jobs. But the truth is, is that that's corporations conducting business. And so it's, it's just, yeah, it's just like one decision that leads to another. And so that, you know, we saw that during the 2000s, um, that xenophobia grew even more because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, because you don't understand foreign policy. So all you see is people taking your, you know, quote unquote, taking your jobs. And so it's, um yeah, no, it's. Juan, you about to make me uh, go pull up my notes from class because oh. it's so, it's, it's, it's so like, it, it just all connects. And that's one thing that I love to do. Like, this is like one of the things I love to do. I like, I like to learn about history and just kind of just see how things have translated to today. Yeah. Like, um, like I was, I mean, this you know, is, yeah, this isn't really history, but I was watching Snowfall. Like, I know you guys probably heard of that. It's like um, this show. Um, I'm not going to say what channel it is on. Cause I don't know if we could, that trademark or whatever, copyright, whatever. But it's a show and it's talking about the crack epidemic that happened in um, Los Angeles. And it's kind of just so shows like, and it, it kind of goes over like, not government, but like how the FBI or how CIA or how those government entities had a, a hand in it. And then it kind of shows how that's translated to today or to later. Yeah. All these, uh, when you saw like the crack epidemic and the black neighborhoods and you saw the government response to it and said, this is a war on drugs and it's putting black people and people of color um, in harm's way. And it's, it's, right that they systematically chose to put yeah. drugs in it to begin with and it's and they did it it's on them but at that and it's the same thing we're talking about it now they don't want to say it's our fault they don't want to take um no they don't want to take acceptance blame. yeah because yeah, at that they would have to say that they they would have to admit that they were wrong and they're not going to do that bro yeah, it's I crazy it. how stubborn because yo it's crazy like what remember obama got got trashed for um apologizing to uh to um, I believe the Japan, uh, the government of uh, Japan. Mm. Oh, that, like, that over the. I actually didn't hear about that. Was that over the um, the bombs? Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, and then they gave Obama. Uh, they gave Obama a hard time to uh, um, to uh, because of his affairs, or I guess like because he was uh, engaging in in dip, um, diplomacy with Cuba, mm-hmm. and so it's just like sort of that like just the thought of apologizing i don't know i guess like when it comes to i don't know it's like it's like they kind of it's just, not that bad i don't know man they say they makes us look weak if we apologize or if we say our, if we say sorry then it means that we were wrong but it's okay to be wrong you have to know yeah right. damn right you have to know, okay we were wrong we got to do better you can't just like there it's like you're you're so hard pressed on not being wrong that you're just gonna keep going on this wrong path on this path to destruction and it's not going to lead to anything good and i'm (laughs) i'm glad you mentioned that joseph because that's exactly what's the trajectory right now bro like the fact that we have we barely apologize for anything and yet like we're we're so stubborn we're just going on this path that we're just creating even more instability and we see that we see that in latin america today i recommend everyone read uh open veins of latin america it was written back in like the 70s but it's still very much um, applicable. And it sort of explains the way that the United States intervention into Latin America um, 
finished off the colonism like you know like first it was the spaniards but then it was the u.s uh intervention in saying that like yeah we're here to help and really you just established a whole little drug yeah, trade. Just, yeah you just established like a whole railroad or like yeah corporation passage to say. yeah ruin yeah, you- the countries and and call them third world countries and create something that is a third world country yeah right because that's crazy it's crazy to believe that like latin america has all these resources all these natural resources they have all of the all of the you know the foundation they need to be successful but when you have foreign influencers coming in um it just kind of disrupts that whole stability and we've see we see that yeah Alex, no. I know you're not uh, a fan of. Uh, I guess like, you're not too into foreign affairs, but do you have an analysis on on our chat here? I guess I have a question for the group. I was just waiting for a point to jump in, but um, you were talking about how it's possible. That's why like it's good for uh, people in the U.S. to speak to their senators because um, mm-hmm. like they sit on foreign affairs, like foreign relations committees to uh, work on policies like this, but how, I guess my question for the group is, how are we making sure that the people on the ground, like in Colombia, for example, are getting their concerns heard, if it's really just government to government speaking with each other? Because you know, the United States, historically, they only intervene or they only make agreements when it's something that will also benefit uh, the U.S. as well. Like, so how do we, or how do people entrust that their senators or entrust that our government, for okay, example, yeah. is doing or advocating on what's the best interest is for those people of Colombia? And that's where, like, some of my, I guess, some of my hesitancy comes from when it comes to, like, foreign intervention and things like that, because I don't feel like the U.S. is always acting on the best interests of the people they're acting on the best interests of the United States. And so I guess since you brought that up, I was wondering, like, how do we ensure, like, what, what steps are taken to, like, make sure that's not happening? I know that for the for now, like, the steps that are taking is, like, investing in, like, NGOs, like, non-government organizations, like, like human rights watchdogs. But even at that, you do have a good point. Like, I didn't even think about that, that, like, at the end of the day, it's government to government. And so like, and that's what's making the reports much more confusing because at the end of the day, the government like looks bad. The Colombian government looks bad right now. They're not going to give you the whole story. I can't imagine them giving you the whole thing because not even, they don't even want to know because they don't care. And so that's, yeah. And, and I guess like the answer that really is, is through NGOs and um, you know, the executive, because the executive office, they have, um, you know, uh, the power of, of embassies and etc so having those diplomats um come back and and you know giving us the intel that we need to like make those decisions and so it really just it's it's strange because they just then it gets to the point then that's when politics comes in because if so if a trump appointee i can imagine who who's in latin you know is in colombia um is that person likely going to have the the um the perspective of the people i wouldn't bet my money on it so that's a really good point alex uh, i don't have an answer actually but it's like <laughs> yeah i i also want to say something i don't have an answer like exactly either um i did want to say that um like just 
I guess kind of get into other countries' affairs is always going to be like a it's always going to be a difficult task. It's always going to be a difficult thing to kind of like dance around. Um, like I know we've talked about how the the U.S. has intervened in other countries' affairs and how a lot of times it hasn't gone right or it hasn't gone, gone the way they expected it to. Because usually what the U.S. does is they either give them money or they give them soldiers and they have to choose a side. And but it just doesn't always go the way we expect. Like sometimes we'll give them soldiers, we'll give the people that are trying to overthrow the corrupt government soldiers or give them money. And then they'll just be just as bad as the administration before them. So it's always going to be a difficult thing to kind of to kind of uh, assess. And I feel like there's no right or wrong answer. But I did want to say, um, I did want to compare it a little bit to Venezuela because that's what I know about. I, that's the only right. thing. Doing. So in Venezuela, there was um, a few years ago, there was, very similar um, crisis to what's going on now in Colombia. And the only, the main reason that the U.S. decided to kind of get itself involved is because people here in the U.S., like whether they were um, Venezuelan immigrants or just people of Venezuelan descent or just people that saw the injustice happening is because they started protesting here in the U.S. and they started, you know, increasing the conversation around it and just, you know, protesting here in the U.S., which, I think it was really interesting because the problem isn't even going on here. It's going on in Venezuela, but there were still people here um, going um, down in D.C. Um, and asking for change, asking for the administration for change. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was really cool to see how something is going on however many miles away, but we still see it now because of social media and because of technology. We can see things going on in real time. So I think that's something we definitely have to do is increase the conversation and just try to help the best we can. Yeah, because um, again, at the end of the day, we elect our officials. So it's important for us to like, um, to definitely just uh, advocate, you know, when we see these injustices and let, you know, our officials know that, hey, like we don't like what's going on here. And although they might have try to paint a picture like, oh, the U.S. has, this, this is nothing to do with the U.S. It has everything to do because the same influence that made these corporations rich, y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all can definitely, you know, y'all can definitely put your influence into something good, not just for yourselves. But yeah, I mean, that's just the current reality that, that we're living in. And I really wanted to emphasize that part because there's so much misinformation and it's important for people to really know how the government moves. Yeah. And, and to know that the United States is, is no one's friend and only looks out for the interest of those who hold positions where they can cash in. Um, but it's just uh, like for El Salvador, right? Like we were corrupt since the beginning of after the colonization of it all. They, you know, they put very much corrupt individuals in place. And so for the longest, the country, we, we lost our ability to trade. We lost everything because of all the corruption within because it's like if you if you believe that like say this this general this general is fully wanting to help you right like it's going to help your community and so you elect them and then they get elected and, and they actually just get all the money that they're getting paid to use in the community they're keeping for themselves imagine that through an entire country and that was what's going on it was like all the money we were getting was just going to these people it wasn't going to our communities it was going to them directly and the united states played a huge role in that like they, they knew what was going on yes they, they knew it yeah. yeah during the war when they came the war was the the guerreros who were just fighting the government because the government wasn't for us like they were getting support from like 
Cuba and stuff. And so then the U.S. government was like, okay, so we're going to give the Salvadorian government all the guns they need to defeat them. Like, and so it was this, this back and forth of just guns and like fighting and, and destroying one another, but still replacing all of our government officials with highly corrupt motherfuckers who you can buy. And so now that we have a newer president, he's been it like he's been bringing it to light, showing people that no, we're not a poor country. We are just so corrupt that every time we got money, it went into the families of the people who are are these elected officials. Sort of similarly to the United States, where we sort of pay our officials and they kind of don't do much. But it's like the corruption is insane. Like, and so with that, right, it's like it just all of Latin America is going through an uprise. And Colombia in particular, though, because of how much it's been influenced, and I don't know, influenced or forced to be that like maker of cocaine, maker of like all these crazy drugs, um, and, and bring it out and push it out and funnel it that really influences um, foreign policy there because they know what the hell they're doing. There's no they war on exactly drugs. what they're doing. And so it's not really, yeah, it's crazy how they try to label it as democratic values, but like, when you, it's not until you read the paper where it's like, like this has nothing to do with democratic values. You're just trying to get in. You're literally just trying to get in and like cash out. Cash out, yeah. yep, cash it. And like a lot, uh, I don't know, I remember where it is, but there was like a governor, uh, a president I believe we've had who, um, who bought like the banana factories or the banana production um, somewhere in, in Latin America. I wish I could know. This is like a real thing. I just can't remember right now. But um, he then started kind of like uh, manipulating the foreign policy so that he could cash in from the, mm-hmm. the trade with the bananas. And that's how you you win. You get a country that mass produces things and cash in just get cash in exactly and that's the whole washington consensus that's pretty much what the washington consensus is so um yeah no um i definitely wanted to again bring that to light but uh alex it looks like it's uh it's about that time here that we uh wrap it up wrap it up then (laughs) all right y'all thank you so much for joining us for this report and again just please send your prayers and please send your optimism to Colombia because we need that more than ever uh, right now along with all the other people that are being impacted by this pandemic in which the uh, government has been competent in supporting so I just want to leave y'all on that good note thank y'all again and we will see y'all next week